I feel like the fact that uh, that men were so desperate that they were lusting after chair legs like I suggests mean, that maybe repressing all this stuff is not a good idea. Victorian <laughs> era was a very bad time for people's sexual drives. They, I, <laughs> you don't I don't say. know. <laughs> I don't know how dark you want this particular episode to get, but there are some interesting devices that came across that came out in the Victorian era, and most of them are ouchy in the wrong spots. Oh lord. <laughs> All in the name of virtue. I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Sisters. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based and probably very giggly discussion on all things strange and unusual. In this episode, we are going to discuss the lost city of Atlantis. To do that, we're joined by a special guest, Sarah, who is a professional archaeologist and hosts the Archaeological Fantasies podcast. We had Sarah on our show for our Roanoke episode, which would have been almost a year and a half ago, which is crazy. Holy <laughs> um, crap, yeah. I know. <laughs> it feels like it was like two months ago. Yes, it does not feel like it. Like the podcast, I'm pretty sure our two-year anniversary is like imminent like oh, i think it's man. days congratulations away. <laughs> i think you're right <laughs> yeah um but anyway yeah sarah since it's been a while uh would you mind reminding our listeners who you are and what what you've got going on <laughs> so i am a person um i live on the planet earth uh great <laughs> yeah you know, i just gotta gotta narrow these things down um so i'm a professional archaeologist I have been for more years than I care to admit to. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of going through a career shift, which a lot of people at my age do at this point in archaeology, because like you're you're either like committed to a company at this point or you're uh, you're breaking down slowly. And I'm in the latter group. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's a very physical job. I, I don't think yeah, people understand yeah. how hard field work can be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, even when you're doing it right, it, it just it just wears you down. It's just a very physical job. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm old. So <laughs> uh, so what I've got going on uh, right now is, uh, actually, if you guys wouldn't mind, I'd like to uh, uh, hype a podcast that I just started in February. Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so I started a podcast in February, and I say I because like I'm on it, but I am one of the co-hosts of the Digging to the Other Side podcast, which is another archaeological-based podcast, but this one is focused on um, archaeology through the lens of Asian American archaeologists and Asian Canadian archaeologists. And uh, all of my co-hosts are Asian hyphenated archaeologists because they're from Canada and from America. Uh, Well, America, yeah, but, you know, we're the U.S. We're we're everything. And then there's Canada. (laughs) But they're all all Asian archaeologists. And uh, the podcast itself doesn't necessarily focus on Asian archaeological sites though it has been recently but it is about archaeology and the my co-hosts are all very friendly all very funny guys and girls and uh we like to pick fights with people on the internet so excellent but that, that's what i've been doing recently is is uh focusing on putting that one together getting it edited getting it up on the internet and getting people to listen to it so that would be great if everybody could go give it a click yeah we um will definitely include a link to that in the show notes so that people can go straight over there that would be after awesome. they're done here right no no exactly yeah 
please finish listening to this one and then go listen to the four, possibly five at the time episodes that will be up on the website. This, and this won't be released for a while, so there will probably be a lot There of might episodes. be more than five. You have so much faith in me. <laughs> All right. So um, so we're super glad to have you back. We're excited about the topic. But before yeah. we get to that, we are going to do our usual something spooky. Woo. <laughs> so, Megan, did anything spooky happen to you in the last couple of weeks? No. <laughs> My only <laughs> – listen, I can't ever remember anything when we do this. So it's like, why do we keep doing it? We don't know. But it's a, it's our chance to give a life update. Um, So My Something Spooky officially this week is how expensive children's play sets are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because I just had to spend a terrifying amount of money to put one in our backyard for my daughter's birthday. Oh, so. wow. You're like talking like the big play sets. A big one. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty big. We're like, all right, we're going to do it. She loves being at the playground so much, but it was like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) this is is terrifying. Um, anyway, so that's it. Paige, do you have anything for this week? Uh, you already said this, but my something spooky is how frequently I forget what my something spooky is. Um, yes. Because yeah, I, just, I, I saw your note and just stole it. Yeah, I like <laughs> the worst thing is I I don't know why this is so terrible, but I had something this week or last week that happened to me, and I was like, that was terrifying. I'm yeah. gonna talk about it, and then yeah. like, clearly, I yeah, my brain just doesn't I, I work swear. quite right anymore. I think there have been multiple things where I thought like, yeah, I got to remember this. Yeah. Nope, never do. I It'll, really need to start a note on my phone. Yeah, that's also what I need to do. <laughs> and then um, actually follow through. <laughs> also, another not really something spooky, something that I want to tell you is that while looking at uh, stuff for this episode, I realized that I have never seen the Disney movie Atlantis. What is it? The Lost Empire? Is that what it's called? I have not seen it either. Um, nor have I ever seen an Aquaman movie. Oh, mm. I didn't know Aquaman was supposed to be from Atlantis, but I guess it makes sense considering he's coming okay. from beneath the ocean. You're, you're losing your geek points. Uh, <laughs> that that one's a hard lost geek point right there. I know we're we're a, we're a Marvel family. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> we don't we don't acknowledge the other one. We don't acknowledge <laughs> the other universe. No. <laughs> Speak of it in this house, even though it's older. <laughs> That's actually very fitting. No, like the, the DC, uh, DC universe is slightly older than the Marvel universe. Um, just mm. you know, in general, and DC has Atlantis, so it's just kind of yeah. interesting that you know Atlantis is supposed to be like the oldest of the old. Yeah, there it's you supposed go. to create uh, everything. Yeah. So if you think about it, like Atlantis is like DC, where no one acknowledges that their movies are good because they all suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then Marvel's like the real world, where you know there's a lot of crap that goes boom, but it's entertaining. Where though? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's been a while since I saw the Wonder Woman movie. Where is she supposed to be from? Because she's from like a hidden island situation. As yeah, well. she's she's just from a. Uh, I I could go ask my partner. He knows all of these things, but I don't think we have four hours. Um, but yeah, she is from a hidden island of Amazons. She is of the Amazons, right? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. I know nothing, nothing about any of this. 
like, you could have told me Wonder Woman was from Ohio, and I would have been like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Never seen that either. I want to make a joke that, like, one of the actresses was from Ohio, but I don't think that's true either. So, like, yeah, I would really be lying to you at that point. <laughs> I've been several over the years, and I'm just like, could one of them have been from Ohio? No, probably yeah. not. So, Sarah, you, yes. do you have anything spooky that you would like to share that's happened since, you know, a year and a half ago when we talked to you <laughs> on your lap? Or just recently, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, wow, okay, a year and a half ago. Um, <laughs> so I found this really cool site that I, it's not a site site, it's an abandoned Japanese garden. Ooh. Yeah, and it's closed to the public, which means I need to get creative. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to like accidentally stumble into it one day while walking through someone's backyard, or if I'm going to like attempt to find who owns the property and call them and ask them if I can wander around it. But I was driving past it, and the the little I know pagoda is not the right word, but the little like houses they're not house houses, but anyway, they're like shelters. Anyway, they just kind of. There's a lot of bamboo around here because it was very ornamental and like the Victorians ruined everything. And so there's a lot of bamboo in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and so that's not an unusual thing to be driving along and just see like literal bamboo forests. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm driving down this super curvy road and it's bamboo on both sides. I'm just like, do, 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 it's Pennsylvania. And then out of nowhere, you know, you take one of these curves because we don't have straight roads in Pennsylvania. This just like... It's like out of a horror movie. It was like a perfect horror movie setting. And it's just like this mostly dilapidated Japanese style, like shelter house. It's, it's just like completely halfway fallen into the road. It's so close to the road. And uh -huh. the fence around it is just like, obviously, I'm not the first person to have the idea that maybe they could just oops into the into the property. Um <laughs> So it was, just, and, it, and of course it's like dusk, so it's like the perfect time of day to discover in an abandoned area, and it was just really cool. Like it was very, yeah. it was very cool, and and I I get I get eager chills every time I go by it. I want to go in and investigate and see, you know, because you know there's stories, and yeah. it's probably just an ornamental garden that was again put up by the Victorians, um, because you know they had money and nothing else to do, but. <laughs> Because it's been a year and a half. I also, like, most recently just watched this really killer movie um, out of Korea, actually, which is considered one of the first and best found footage films. Ooh. Uh, found footage horror films. And it's called, um, I'm going to butcher it. It's going to, it's called G-I-J-I-N. Uh, so however that's said. And then it's also called Haunted Asylum. Um, and it's Ooh. really good. Highly recommend it. Um it is one of the first movies that I've watched in a very long time that actually had a scene in it that I was just like, okay, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> oh. I'm going to, I'm going to have to turn the light back on now for a minute because that, that one creeped me out a little. Uh, yeah. It even made my cats jump, which I is not actually that hard, but to get all three of them at the same time was, pr was pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, I particularly love found footage horror movies. So I'll put that on the list. I don't recommend found footage films ever. I would highly recommend this one. I think everyone, okay. I think everyone would enjoy it. It's All in right, Korean. Yeah. I will tell you that. Yeah. Well, You're going to have to watch they... it on subtitles. <laughs> Great. So that is something spooky. And now I think we should just jump into talking about Atlantis and <laughs> asking Sarah all of our super obnoxious devil's advocate questions. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, devil's advocate. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, we don't have that many. It's fine. But I think Paige, you you should start us out because you took these notes about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where the legend originates. Yeah. And feel free to jump in whenever, Sarah. I will. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> so as far as I want to say we know, but I'm going to go ahead and say as far as I know. No, no. Drag Megan into this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Atlantis is really first mentioned in Plato's dialogues, uh, Timaeus and Critias in 360 mm-hmm. BC. Mm-hmm. And in these dialogues, it's described as a large island that predates Plato by like almost 9,000 years. It's located in the Atlantic Ocean Mm -hmm. beyond what is called the Pillars of Hercules, which is just northeast of the Strait of Gibraltar. Is it? Is it not? So the problem with uh, the landmarks in the myth is that, you know, because that's one of the things that a lot of people who try to prove Atlantis fall back on is like, Uh oh, there's these markers, you know, we've got the Gibraltar because they assume because they, uh-huh. they, they take this this one mention of a landmark and then they bring that into the real world map. Well, that mention of the landmark is from how many years? How many thousands of years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're comparing it to a map of the known world today. It's not the same. Got it. Gotcha. Yeah, because in, in Plato's work, it's mentioned that it's beyond the Pillars of Hercules, but whether mm-hmm. or not that's actually located where it's yeah. located on maps today, that's so, what you're saying. Yeah, so people have gone back and decided like, oh, this, this is, is where, where that was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we're not even positive what they mean when they say the Pillars of Hercules. That could gotcha. have been Got a number it. of things, which is another one of the fallbacks. But that's why I said, keep going. It, it, there's a lot here. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so... In in the dialogues, the Atlanteans are described as wealthy, technologically advanced, and a very powerful society. And it was my impression that sort of like this whole thing, he writes it more as like a thought experiment or an there allegory. You go. Like it's not yep. supposed to be literally about a place. <laughs> there you go. Also, were they described as being technologically advanced or were they described as being modern? I don't know. I mean, probably just <laughs> modern. And then people... <laughs> Yeah, and people just interpret it as... Yeah, have interpreted it to mean like, oh, technologically advanced. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a good good point, though. It's like, it's because there's so... Yeah, there's so much... (laughs) Like, crap (laughs) rolled up in, like, the Atlantis mythology that it's, like, easy to... Yeah, I guess to slip into language that doesn't make sense, but not your fault, Paige. Just no, yeah, no, it no, it's no. not your fault at <laughs> it's, all. Well, it's impossible. It's crazy when you look this up mm-hmm. how how much information there is guaranteeing that this existed mm-hmm. to like find the stuff that even questions it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yes, in this in this story, or at least the interpretation of the story, there is a war between Atlantis and and the and Athens. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, the Athenians win and end up stopping whatever invasion of Athens that is occurring. And then shortly after the war is won, there is mention of catastrophic floods and earthquakes, which basically cause Atlantis to disappear beneath the sea. Right. The Athenians were able to hold the Atlanteans at bay. The gods stepped in and destroyed Atlantis. But it's okay, because neither of these groups are real people. (laughs) I mean, the the 
Athens are real people. Although I guess not 9,000 years ago. Right. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Right. right. <laughs> I had to think about the time. Yeah. It's, okay. it's okay. It's called a thought experiment for a reason. Like, this is why we, earlier when we were like, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing logical about the Atlantis story anymore. And I'm like, well, that's because the intelligent part has been lost. This mm-hmm. was meant to be a thought experiment to teach these all young men how to think logically and how to imagine a situation and then work their way through the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've ever taken a a logic class or a theory class or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, navel gazing class, um, I'm sure I'll get hate mail for that one. That's what they do. They're teaching mm-hmm. you to think, you know, and you don't learn to think by just staring at a blank wall. You you have to ha- you put your mind through exercises. This is a, m- a mental exercise. Mm-hmm, right. um, it's not a bad one. He, uh, Plato says, imagine an advanced civilization, the the best civilization that you can that you can think of. Imagine this perfect group of people, mm-hmm. and then send them to war. That was the assignment. And so that's what they did. And and this is the part that everybody seems to kind of like glaze over. The Atlanteans were the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, they right. were supposedly advanced and they were like civilized and, and, and cultured <laughs> and all this good shit. They were bad guys. They were trying yeah. to take over the world. They were trying to destroy the Athenians. Yeah. So I actually, it's from this live science article titled Lost City of Atlantis Factor Fable written by Benjamin Radford. And he says, though today Atlantis is often conceived of as a peaceful utopia, the Atlantis that Plato described in his fable was very different. In his book of Encyclopedia of Dubious Archaeology, Professor of Archaeology Ken Fetter notes that in Fader, 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 it's oh. Fader. Oh no! <laughs> Ken Fader notes that in Plato's story, Atlantis is not a place to be honored or emulated at all. Atlantis is not the perfect society. Quite the contrary. Atlantis yes. is the embodiment of materially wealthy, technologically advanced, and militarily powerful nation that has become corrupt by its wealth, sophistication, and might. And that is that. That was the point. That yeah. was, that was the point of the thought experiment. Was that these this group of people they had everything, and because they had everything, they had completely lost touch with the the world. Mm-hmm. And that's why the gods stepped in. Because you know, back in the day, um, if you were too arrogant, the gods would do stuff about it. Because yeah. gods, um, yeah. you know, because like the gods I... are perfect people as far as the <laughs> Greeks and the Romans are concerned too. So, and that was sarcasm. I apologize. <laughs> so. I feel like we could use some um, godly intervention for some people on this planet. Right I mean, now, it's a great but... allegory. Really. <laughs> if, if you if you want to think about Atlantis as like a a, a warning of so, of sorts, I mean, like you can apply that idea to a lot of the situations that are going on today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got a very powerful militaristic group and you could assign that title to anybody really 
Um, <laughs> in the first world. I can think of a couple countries. <laughs> right. I mean, there's there's a perfect example going on today, but I mean, really, you could compare it to any of us at any point, any of the larger yeah, countries right. at any point. You know, you go in and start bullying a smaller country or a smaller culture group because you want what they have, usually land or resources, mm-hmm. you know, and now suddenly the underdog, which is the smaller the smaller group, you know, they, they do better than they should. And then eventually the gods are like, Hey, okay, we're done. And then wow. they, this is feeling shockingly timely. It really is. <laughs> I mean, it, okay. So history does repeat itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the uh, yeah. sad part about history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can say it out loud, but it's like the, the yeah, the things that you're saying, I was like, Oh, this, this sounds an awful lot. Like what's going on in Ukraine right, right now? <laughs> right. And and this this fable is how old? Uh, oh, when was it? 360 BC, so 20 almost 2400 years old. Exactly. So yeah. how much how much of hum- how much has humanity changed? <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> Here we are for yet another. Here we are for what we thought would be a more giggly episode and we're down again. I'm having a great time. Keep it coming. <laughs> um yeah so i'm actually i'm not gonna read this part i want to know your thoughts and then if i (laughs) if i have to go into my notes i will i just have a i have i have in my notes like i imagine you're gonna have thoughts about this so um (laughs) ignatius donnelly ignatius donnelly what about what about my good friend ignatius donnelly so (laughs) i don't have much about him uh basically (laughs) politician turned writer in 1882 he writes atlantis the antediluvian world yes and he writes about how he believes plato's writings are factual or at least mostly factual uh minus all the i believe he said supernatural stuff because ignatius was a logical person yeah, uh-huh. right. Um, and like he, all politicians. <laughs> uh, he also suggests throughout this book that all known ancient civilizations were descendants of the lost land. Oh, yes. Lord. So that is this is what I believe you have thoughts about. Well, okay, so I do. Donnelly Donnelly's a product of his time. He's also not the first person to have these thoughts. He's just the first mm-hmm. person to publish them and get popular with them so on the one hand like donnelly looking at donnelly's writings from 2022 yeah they're ridiculous <laughs> they're ridiculous they make no sense yeah uh, donnelly's kind of a crackpot you know you can you can throw all these labels at him if you want to and i think maybe some of those things are probably true even during that time period but mm-hmm. if you also you, you have to look at donnelly from where he's coming from and in that time period, archaeology was a very new field. It wasn't even a field yet. It was still, you know, antiquarians running all over the place going, I found a rock. Therefore, you know, I've proven the Bible. And that was another <laughs> thing that was really, well, that's another thing that was really important to them was proving the Victorians were very adamant about proving that the Bible and other ficti- uh, yeah, fictitious places were real because it was important to their worldview, particularly the biblical ones, but this one also comes into play. So it's not outrageous that Donnelly proposed that Atlantis and other uh, fictional worlds were real. It was at Donnelly's time within the realm of possibility. This is not me endorsing Atlantis in any way, shape, or form. However, where Donnelly becomes a problem is when 
well, first off, he starts this idea that all civilization is descent from Atlantis, which creates the the father, the mother culture thing that we still deal with today. Donnelly himself, of course, was white European, which, you know, at the time of the, this era, you know, the, the pinnacle of human evolution, of, of cultural and social evolution was white European culture. So you can kind of figure out where I'm going with that one. So that's the thing. Like Donnelly begins this downward slide with the Atlantis idea. He's also the one that kind of cleans up the image of Atlantis. Like he takes it from being the bad guy to creating this utopic world um, where everybody had everything they needed because it was perfect. It was the perfect society. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts a lot of the things that we still hear about Atlantis today in the 1800s. So in the year 2022, we have advanced science. You know, we have become Atlantis, if you would. We have the knowledge base. We have the technology. We've surveyed a good chunk of the known world. We know what we're looking for if we're looking for a, a completely submerged continent, uh, mm-hmm. let alone a submerged island. We know what these things look like in the geological records. So saying today that Atlantis is or was a real location is demonstratively false. In Ignatius's time, it could have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're, they didn't have what we have. Right. That yeah. makes sense. Now, his ideas are problematic. Um, they survived. The, the worst parts of his ideas have survived, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and that is the, the racism and the concept of, like, white superiority, basically. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to, and I literally had this in the notes, I was like, <laughs> we are definitely going to talk about racism here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes. So that brings us to uh, Lemuria. Oh, Lemuria. <laughs> Beautiful, um, beautiful which, <laughs> which is another lost continent that was hypothesized by a zoologist named Philip Sclater in 1858. And he proposed that Lemuria sank into the Indian Ocean, uh, but before that was a bridge between Madagascar and India. Thus explaining the distribution of lemurs between those two land masses and dissimilarities to those that he observed in Africa and the Middle East, basically saying they couldn't have migrated across these existing land masses. There must have been something that connected them at one point, which I didn't actually realize um, <laughs> until I was reading about this, that this was related to lemurs, which seems sort of silly now. Hence the name of the continent, yes. Yes. (laughs) Of course, now, just as you were saying, we didn't have then what we have now. We know that these common fossils are just evidence of plate tectonics and show where continents used to be joined together in a single landmass. So I'm like very tickled that this sort of like comes back to like people just don't didn't understand geology. <laughs> well, I I want to go through my copy of dubious archaeology to quote Fader. Scatler was engaging in valuable and valid scientific speculation. Yes. And that's the part that people need to understand. At the time yes. that he was making the speculation, it was it was valid. 
Yeah, um, I don't I don't blame him. He's he's no. trying to explain actual observations that he's making about the right. natural world. Right. And his was speculation. There was never a point where he was like, No, this is real because that's how science works. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you put a hypothesis out there and then it gets tested and it is found that there is no landmass, but there and there never has been a landmass as far as we can tell the connect things. The problem with Lemura or Lemuria, or however we want to pronounce it, is mm-hmm. that the Atlantis people got a hold of it. Lemuria is sometimes referred to as Atlantis, and it is sometimes oh, okay. referred to as its own thing. But there are large groups of people that believe that Lemuria is a real place. And of course, if it's a landmass, it must have had people on it, and those people must have been awesome because reasons. And therefore, when those people were lost to whatever it is that happened to this non-existent landmass, then it must have been catastrophic. Ergo, mm-hmm. it's just Atlantis. Gotcha. Okay. It's just the Atlantis story. And someone changed the name and added Lemura on it because this guy said that at one point. But so diving in, I guess, a little bit more to what you were saying. So I was sort of under the impression that Lemuria and Atlantis are thought of as their own things. Like Atlantis is in the Atlantic and Lemuria like supposedly sank into the Indian Ocean. Yes. And you're not wrong. They are often considered two separate locations. Yes. So I guess in thinking of them as separate things, it's in 1870 when a German biologist named Ernst Haeckel. Haeckel? I don't know. Paige, you took German. <laughs> yeah, it's probably more like Haeckel. That's probably Haeckel. Suggests that not only did Lemuria exist, but this is where we get the idea that it's where mankind originated. So like similar to the Atlantis idea that right. like they were the original people. And he claims, and this is a quote from one of the articles I read, that the Lemurians migrated to India as their mm. continent sank and became the Aryans. And I was like, oh, oh no. Bum, bum, bum. like, no, German biologist. Oh, this is going south. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to be somewhat kind, Aryan okay. wasn't always a bad word. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. It, but it is now. So. Yes. Well, I just like I saw that and I I was like, oh, no, no, you should have. That you now. did the right thing. Yeah, no, <laughs> you did the right thing. No, you did the right thing. So much like Lemuria was the proposed bridge for the lemurs to make it from Madagascar to India. Hegel's ideas are the bridge that get us to a cultist, theosophy, cult leader, theosophy. Yes. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Yes. Helena Blavatsky. Um, so she latches on to this as part of the mythology of her religion, theosophy. Okay, first off, theosophy is not a religion. Okay, what is it? Theosophy is a theology. Okay. Yeah, theology is more like the the study of the um, beliefs where religion is an organized thing, right? Right. I mean, they, the, okay. the theosophists, the, they still exist. Theosophy, as far as I understand, does have some what we would consider ritual in it, but it is okay. It's kind of more like the Church of Satan, where it's just kind of done because it is understood that it helps put you in the right mindset. It's not exactly okay. done because there's belief in a deity 
or a set of spirits or a set of um, gods or anything like that. Okay. I don't know why I felt like I needed to defend Theosophy. I think I was just excited that I remembered (laughs) what the hell it was all of a sudden. Listen, (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) to be corrected. Sorry Um, about that. You're fine. No. Okay. So the mythology of this theology is born and we get the Lemurians. She puts it out there that there she latches on this idea that they are the original origination of mankind. Uh, supposedly they could reproduce asexually and then it's when they discover sex that they became amoral yep. and that caused their continent to sink into the sea. Again, a product of its time. Uh, the Victorian <laughs> era believed that the exposure of your ankles made you to the point where they would even cover the ankles of their furniture so that the men folk would not get randy so wait that's where skirts on chairs come from yep that is serious kind of hilarious there used to be um it's not just like uh what what do they call them they're basically like leg warmers for chairs and table legs and piano legs. Gotcha. I was thinking like like of a, like a bed skirt or whatever. A bed skirt is also there to protect the, the leggings of the bed, but it's also to kind of control <laughs> dust also. I mean, yeah, it, it has enough. a purpose, but yeah, a lot of the, the trappings of like covering the bottom part of furniture was because we have to hide the legs because apparently men would... There's <laughs> a lot you- of jokes to make right now, but... The concept was that an ankle was a very bad thing to expose. I feel, I feel like the fact that uh, that men were so desperate that they were lusting after chair legs like I suggests mean, that maybe repressing all this stuff is not a good idea. The Victorian era was a very bad time for people's sexual drives. They, I, <laughs> you don't, I don't know. I don't know how dark you want this particular episode to get, but there are some interesting devices that came across that came out in the victorian era and most of them are ouchy in the wrong spots oh lord (laughs) all in the name of virtue great (laughs) well (laughs) uh yes so uh (laughs) i cannot get over that (laughs) we've learned so much through you sarah (laughs) and now that i've completely derailed the conversation guys you're fine strange bedroom toys from the victorian era right oh no they're not they're not toys that's <laughs> That's what the articles call in them. <laughs> I mean, they have become toys because later generations went, oh, that's not that bad. Or sometimes ouchy in the wrong place is good. Uh <laughs> I'm not I'm not king shaming anyone. I'm just saying this is where this stuff comes from. Listen, of, of all the places that I expected the Atlantis <laughs> episode to go, this um, is not one of them. I cannot say that BDSM was one of those. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how like like kid friendly you wanted the show to be. Oh, we are not kid friendly. Okay, well, so, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to lightly dance around the concept of the spiked cock cage. Um, because this was a thing that was put on prepubescent and pubescent boys when they were going through puberty because it was thought that if you inflicted enough pain that they wouldn't get erections oh, at night. No, terrible. It is. It's absolutely terrible. Um, and it doesn't work. So all it did was yeah. like create an entire generation of people that have like very bad connotations with their sexual appetites which you know kind of is why we we're the way we are today yeah Yeah. oh wow 
Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. So anyway, back to Blavowski. Back to <laughs> this lady. Um, so anyway, Blavatsky, Blavatsky. I don't have that much more to say about it other than people still believe that the last Lemurians live inside the Mount Shasta volcano. <laughs> like, and I mean it. Like, I've been to Mount Shasta. The town by it is like, all sorts of new agey like get your aura red and like they're crazy about it and like don't even get me started on the people who claim that lenticular clouds which are often visible near the summit of the mountain and are like a very normal weather phenomenon. I was going to say, aren't they observable near most mountaintops? Yes. Okay, just checking. Uh, yes, but people like to claim that they are cloaking devices mm. for alien ships who are visiting oh, the Oh, and you oh, have to no. bring the aliens in now. <laughs> well, when, oh, you are, no when you are a seven-foot-tall, egg-laying, hermaphroditic race... Of people yep. who live in subterranean homes beneath Mount Shasta. As Ken points out, it is very difficult to get good beer inside of Mount Shasta. So <laughs> at times they must venture out in their flowing white robes to visit the local convenience stores to stock up. I love Ken's writing. It's just beautiful. But yeah, this this, this concept of uh, Blavatsky actually, I mean, I think I'm saying her name wrong, but. Blavatsky even calls them root race three, oh. which means there's two other root races. And I believe one of them is the Atlanteans. So there are multiple groups like this that the theosophists at the time believed in. I know that the group still exists. I don't, I don't know how much of their original theology they stick with. Again, going back to the whole idea of like product of its time, you know, they they the this perfect pure group of people did not fall until they were tempted by the the vileness of sex and therefore, mm -hmm. you know, like all oh, it all went to hell after that. <laughs> you know, and yeah. then and then also with the modern idea of, you know, alien contact, which, yes. you know, thank you ancient aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter about your like 17 freaking seasons and all that good stuff. But uh I want to go to Alien Con so bad. I'm not lying. Yeah. <laughs> I want backstage passes. I want to touch his hair and see if it's real. I mean, <laughs> is it is it like one of those balls where you touch it and like the electrical thing comes up and follows your finger around the glass? I, I think he's just constantly connected to one of those. <laughs> that dude is so fake. 
Like he is like fake and knows he's fake and is as uh anyway. And Atlantis is often referred to as, as either being themselves an uh-huh. alien race or oh, Lord. being there's just so many things. Atlantis is so much. Um <laughs> they're either aliens or they're the first alien hybrid race, or they were always in contact with aliens, even though they were human, because you know they how else could they have been so advanced? Yeah. Obviously, right. humans didn't know how to like not choke on their tongues in the morning. They needed <laughs> aliens to come and hold it down so they didn't die. <sighs> um <laughs> sorry. No, you're fine. It's it's fine. It is it is sort of infuriating to read about. And then I imagine if you're actually an archaeologist, it's very infuriating to read about. Yes. So one thing that has stemmed from this. And Sarah knows what's coming because I I tagged her in this on Twitter. Yes, (laughs) thank you for that. If there are two lost continents, (laughs) then they must have been aware of one another. Yes. So now there's like whole stories that people have created about the Lemurians and the Atlanteans being these advanced societies of like basically godlike beings (laughs) who... (laughs) went on to destroy each other in a new <laughs> so the Bhagavadita. oh here we go to bring okay. us back to india the Bhagavadita is often referred to by ancient alien believers as proof that aliens were not only on the planet but active and okay. having conflicts with yeah. themselves uh-huh. Um, because it, the, the Bhagavad Gita, and I apologize if I'm saying it incorrectly, but there is a description of a heavenly war and yes. the description of the heavenly war describes, you know, heavenly vehicles and, and loud booms and lights and the things you would expect if like you saw a really good storm or gods were fighting. But of course, you know, the lightning bolts of, of Zeus are also alien technology. So we're, we're you just have to keep these things in mind when I'm telling you this story. That this is what these people believe. And yeah. so to to move from that, like the Bhagavad Gita is, if we are to believe that that is describing alien nuclear warfare, because that's what it is claimed to be doing, even though uh-huh. it's not. Then making that leap from the Bhagavad Gita and it's clearly alien warfare, <laughs> saying then that there are now two lost civilizations and we have Atlantis and Lemuria. And obviously Plato was aware of this because he mentioned Atlantis and therefore Lemuria must then be the Athenians. And that's how they destroyed each other. It wasn't the gods. It was actually their nuclear technology going off. There's there's also like a lot of this can be traced to the influence of, again, ancient aliens, Mm -hmm. um, because these ideas didn't these ideas didn't exist until I think Von Daniken was the first person to put in writing the idea of um, the Bhagavad Gita describing uh, nuclear warfare. Mm-hmm. So Von Daniken published Chariots of the Gods in the seventies. It was in the seventies at some point because that's that that's when science lost its grip with reality. You know, television and that kind of stuff was really becoming a major part of people's lives. 
Um, It was easy to publish popular books on scientific ideas. I'm not slamming. I mean, I kind of slamming the 70s, but I'm also slamming my own profession. At that time, a lot of the scientific fields were more concerned about talking to each other than uh-huh. they were about talking to the public. I, in, yeah. And we know this is true because Carl Sagan himself, the great Carl Sagan, <laughs> Saint Sagan, Sagan. Um, but he did come on and he said, you know, there's all this technology and he's talking about the television and the radio. Yeah. There's all this technology. People are putting their ideas out there. Some of these ideas are not great and there's no rebuttal from the scientific mm-hmm. community. And he's mm-hmm. like, if if we don't, if we don't defend ourselves and become part of the conversation, we're going to lose control of the conversation. And we did. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what happened. And all the ideas that you're seeing today, the Atlantis ideas and the Lemura ideas and the the the, the other crazy ancient alien stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like the popularity when it be, when it exploded in popularity is sometime around the 70s and you can almost mm-hmm. always trace it back to one or two major writers von Daniken being one of the tops and it, and that's it i mean it, like once you trace it back to the source material almost all of these these articles they're all quoting von Daniken. uh they're yeah. all they're all quoting graham hancock they're all quoting um who's the other guy I don't remember. I have tuned him out of my <laughs> life, apparently. Um, but, but they are. There's there's this handful of like OG. I, I don't even know what you want to call it. Pseudo writers, pseudoscience writers, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that everybody quotes, even if they don't know they're quoting them anymore. Like, yeah. like it's to the point now where like if you went to that guy who who quote unquote wrote that article about warfare between Atlantis and Lamora. And you, 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 and you said, you know, this sounds like something Von Daniken wrote in his book. That person would probably be like, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about because they probably don't know how to cite a source. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point. Like it's gotten so far down the line at this point, they don't even realize that they're just regurgitating stuff that was written in the seventies and they, they don't even change it. Right. It doesn't evolve. It's the same stuff. Also the planet is hollow. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the atlanteans went after the, the then they all went to the center of the we earth don't have time for hollow earth tonight <laughs> <laughs> they live with the dinosaurs in the middle of the planet my brain will actually explode <laughs> um <laughs> okay yes so now we're gonna get into i don't know i called this the <laughs> science portion <laughs> of okay. the episode okay. slash me trying to make some sort of reason out of this potentially just driving Sarah crazy. <laughs> this is the the part earlier where she said we were going to play devil's advocate. It's yes. a, it's a <laughs> short drive. I'm just letting you know. It's like <laughs> down the driveway. Not to the mailbox and back. It's this is all you get. Fine. Um, okay. This whole thing about the Lemurians and the Atlanteans and there there being these past like industrial societies, like these past technologically advanced societies, at least like in the way that we would describe technologically advanced. So I did find an interesting paper, and admittedly I did not get to dive into it as much as I hope. Is this the one you I- sent me? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So I'm hoping that you have a couple thoughts about it. But so, okay. So this is a paper that I found in the International Journal of Astrobiology by 
uh, Schmidt and Frank from 2018. Uh-huh. And this is more so, this is more so supposed to be like on the astrobiology side of things. So like looking at. I, I want to put out there right now, I am in no way qualified for that paper. I'm only like semi-qualified for it (laughs) as a geologist who's like worked adjacent to astrobiology. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I at least wanted to mention it. I will put a link to it in in the show notes just because I thought it was an interesting idea in that like these authors claim that they're trying to look into the feasibility of there being a lost city or society and what would need to be there in order to find evidence of them. Mm-hmm. So they point out that we've had industrial civilization mm-hmm. on earth for about 300 years. Like mm-hmm. that is it. <laughs> and out of the four and a half billion years that our planet has been around and we've had complex life on earth for about the past 400 million years. Mm-hmm. So since the Silurian, which is a geologic time period. Mm-hmm. And so this is called the Silurian hypothesis. So basically they're they're positing like could an advanced society have existed before, died out, and everything now is like the second go around. Okay. <laughs> like would we be able to find evidence of this older society? <laughs> I when I was like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, used to legitimately sit up at night and think about this. And like, it would keep me up at night. <laughs> it's, yes. a, it's a great thought experiment. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> even not reading the paper, I mean, I did attempt, but the the, the methods section, it, it, I'm not going to lie, the methods section's over my head. I'm not that kind of a scientist. Um, <laughs> so I read the abstracts. I uh-huh. read the introduction. I skimmed yeah. the methods because that was all I was going to be able to do. I think that's something that people need to understand is like, it it's not a failure of your personal intelligence that you cannot understand a scientific paper. It's okay yeah. mm-hmm. to read a scientific paper and go, that made no sense. And it's Oh, fine. I do it all the time. <laughs> right. But that's like, <laughs> just because you've read an archaeological report doesn't mean you're suddenly an archaeologist. Like it's, it's, yes. it's okay to not understand what you're reading. It doesn't mean you're dumb. That's the nature of, yeah. I mean, just, just to, to piggyback on that, like that is the nature of journals is that yeah. journal articles for the most part are written for an expert audience. Right. So there's like a baseline level of like, here are the things you should know if you're in this field. And right. like, we're going to write above that. Yeah, so there, you, there's an assumption of knowledge when you're reading these papers. Right. And like, so if you don't have that baseline knowledge, a lot of it is like not going to make any sense or you're just going to get stuck down a rabbit hole of like trying to chase down what it all means and then down another rabbit hole. Or <laughs> chase down one thing you're going to try to convince yourself that you do understand what's yes. being said and you're probably yes. going to be wrong. And that's why I'm yes. like, it's okay to say that made no sense. It's, yes. it's again, not a personal failing. It's not a failure of intelligence. It's actually a sign of greater intelligence that you yes. go, I didn't understand a goddamn word of that. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why uh, responsible scientific journalism and science communication is very important in this world. <laughs> Like we just talked about. <laughs> Keyword is responsible. Um, <laughs> anyway, I keep interrupting you. Um, ne- yeah. 
I forget if you were saying something or what I was saying. I, 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 was, I was saying that I couldn't understand the methodology, but mm-hmm. I did read the conclusion. And the conclusions are usually kind of a safe space to go to and read. They usually kind of try to like plain text that one. But again, there is an assumption of knowledge uh, there. It seemed to me in the conclusion that they were saying that basically because the time period they were looking at was so far the past, because they were just looking at like chemical uh, signatures, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. And so they were they were looking at these chemical signatures from so far back that the chemical signatures that they were comparing to today could easily have been the same chemical signatures that you would expect for just general global war or general yeah global warming yes and we do know that the planet before human habitation long before human habitation was too hot mm-hmm. and it was inhospitable for life as we understand it right so the they if they did receive signatures that resembled the industrial phases of human occupation there's a really good chance that they're really just picking up the the baseline, the what the planet was like at that time and not necessarily picking up civilization. And then right. they also had this really great quote. <laughs> Let me see if I can even find it. <laughs> One would be able to fit any observe any observation to an imagined civilization in ways that would be basically unfalsifiable. This is in their conclusion section. Uh-huh. Therefore, they are saying that the idea of an imagined of an of an older civilization cannot be tested for. You cannot scientifically test for it because you cannot yes. create an unfalsifiable hypothesis that that it breaks the whole concept of the scientific method. If you can't prove it false, it's not a hypothesis. Right. And so it's and I, I remember I typed this out and I said it's the invisible teapot argument. Yeah. I tell yeah. you there's a teapot that's circulating the sun. You can't see it because it's invisible, but I know it's there. You can't you can't <laughs> test for it. There's no way to pick it up on any any radar, any it doesn't give off a, a signal or anything. There's no way for you to be able to know that it is there, but I know it is uh-huh. there and and you have to take my word for it. <laughs> and that that's the yeah. invisible teapot argument. And yeah. that's basically what they're wrapping up in their conclusion here. I don't uh-huh. I don't I didn't get the feeling that they truly believed that there was an older civilization and they were trying to find it. I think they were like, like you said earlier, if there was, what would we need to find to prove it? Yeah. And that, that's a falsifiable thing. Right. Uh, right. We do that a lot in archeology. span If Mm -hmm. I'm expecting to find a habitation site in this area, what am I looking for? I'm Mm -hmm. looking for soil stains. I'm looking for broken tools. I'm looking for bones with, um, butcher marks on them i'm looking Mm -hmm. for uh land structure or land mass that has been altered to be more for more favorable for agriculture or structure Mm -hmm. or or stuff like that i know what i'm looking for if i don't see those things then i'm i'm pretty good saying that there's no habitation at this area i yeah i don't i didn't get the impression that they were saying like oh we we think that there was an old civilization i think it I, I mean, I basically think it was just like them running a thought experiment yeah. of yeah. like, what if there was another advanced society on Earth or like even on another planet? Because I think part of the idea was like, since it's an astrobiology project and they're thinking about life on other planets, like, what if we got to another planet and we were like, we didn't find, you know, a civilization, but like, would we be able to tell that one had been there before? Right. 
Yes. And so, yeah, so basically they're, they're, like you said, trying to suss out like what the anthropogenic meaning human signature would look like from our civilization. What biomarkers would there be? What fossil evidence would there be? And like, this is the whole field of astrobiology. Like they're figuring out like, what are these little bugs like in like the primordial ooze of earth? Like what kind of chemical signatures are they producing that like tell us that they were there and tell us that we had an oxygenated atmosphere and stuff. But it's like, but we can date those back to like billions of years at this point. So it's like, yeah, earth was inhospitable. Like we have the evidence of that. And they did start to go into stuff like, oh, like, you know, wouldn't this modern signature of climate change, like look very similar to like Mm -hmm. these large scale, like die offs that have happened in the ocean from like these big anoxic events, meaning like lack of oxygen events or like from big natural climate change that has happened over Earth's history. But it's like, I don't know, you're starting to like, (laughs) I got a little worried during that because I was like, you're starting to get to like global warming conspiracy territory. Yeah, the signatures might look the same in the fossil record, but like it doesn't tell us anything about the time that it took to get that hot or things like that. I think it's one of those situations because I'm like you when I started reading the oceans things. I was yeah. like, hmm, you're this, uh, the red flags. I'm getting the red right. flag. Or yeah, I mean, maybe their point was more like you couldn't tell the difference I, in that respect I'm gonna, from a natural yeah. event. So like you, because like just, you know, the nature of chemical data, like you can't. Right. I, and that's the benefit I'm giving them. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're dealing with dates that are really old. Right. Yeah. It's not like, oh, this was 2,000 years ago. It's no. like, oh, this was a billion years yeah, ago. This, like, like, this predates this life. The- <laughs> yeah. This predates like the algae goop that became us. Like, right. They're, they're looking at stuff so far back. Like the planet was basically lava. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. So anyway, so I mean, I just thought it was interesting, like just, just an interesting question at least to ask, like, what if there was something so far back or like what, yeah, what would you look for? So since we have now imagined this perfect <laughs> civilization mm-hmm. in its, in its perfect habitat of existing before detectable life mm-hmm. on the planet, <laughs> um, now you need to send that, that civilization to war. Right. But it, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, this is. Yeah. This is a thought experiment. And, yeah. and I think at some point they even do mention that in the, I think it was in the, the early introduction. They were like, you know, we were thinking about this and, and yeah. that's what it is. And it's good. It's good to think about these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's even better when you can apply science to it because you uh-huh. can create a record of it. And at some point I, I'm, I'll have somebody who'll be like, well, what about life before life? Well, we've got a paper on that. So, <laughs> and it says Suck no. It. <laughs> Um, or at least not human life as we understand it, which is usually the only life you're talking about when you're trying to convince me that aliens were on the planet before ever, ever, there were ever aliens on the planet. Moving forward. So there are quote unquote, because like, I know that we know about them, so they're not lost. There are lost cities. No, there are not. In the world. (laughs) They're not lost, but like, Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> it's like there, it's like Lost Lake that's right up the river. Yes. There are cities that have like been destroyed by major natural events. So you guys thought that we got away from this. 
but we didn't. Um, because <laughs> guess what? We're back to volcanoes. <laughs> um, but there are places like Pompeii and Herculaneum, mm-hmm. which like I know we're not lost. Like we knew that they were there, just mm-hmm. they were buried. There is a place called Hoya de Seren, which is considered the Pompeii of the Americas in El Salvador, which was covered in ash by a large volcanic eruption from the Laguna Caldera complex around 600 CE. And that is a Maya farming village, essentially, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There is a sunken Mayan city in Lake Atitlan in Guatemala that was on a small island from around 400 BCE to 250 CE. Mm-hmm. But uh, some major volcanic event caused the lake bed and island to drop, submerging the city under 50 feet of water. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have a lot to say other than like there have been major events that have destroyed whole cities in the past. Mm -hmm. And there are modern cities that may not exist for much longer because of things like climate change and rising sea levels, like places like Miami and New Orleans, like might get completely flooded. I'm waiting for the day that Puerto Rico just doesn't come back because that's right. Yeah. They just become, yeah, no longer inhabitable places or they're under underwater. Yeah. Okay, so thinking about this, what they have in common is obviously that they were destroyed or will be destroyed, I guess, by significant geological or natural events. So forget the fact that, like, we know that this was probably just a thought experiment and, and you know, this is supposed to be an allegory that, that Plato wrote. But, like, uh-huh. is it not possible that he was at least inspired by stories of the destruction of an actual city? There is some... Speculation that he might have been inspired by the destruction of, I want to say, Pompeii. So I was going to talk about Santorini. Yeah, Santorini, I think it is. Yeah, I think Santorini is the right one. Yes. So that's what my mind goes to. And other people have made this connection too. But even if we say that it is possible that he took Mm -hmm. inspiration for this, for the destruction end of it, Mm -hmm. Santorini was a well known location. Yeah. The people in Santorini, though many of them did die, mm-hmm. it was not a complete, like, total party kill. A lot of those people made <laughs> it out. Same thing yeah. with Pompeii. Most of these catastrophic events that made an, a location inhabitable yeah. have survivors. You're right. People were still around to tell the story. I mean, yeah. yeah <laughs> a good number of those people in Pompeii just didn't wake up. And, I mean, if that's the way you need to go, that 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 sign me up for that one. But... <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. If, if a volcano is yeah. going to blow up and take out my city and I don't have the means to get out, I'd rather just not wake up to be morbid. But <laughs> my point is, is that there are survivors from almost all of these. And yeah. these refound or, or, you know, misplaced areas that we've relocated over time, they're not weird. There are a lot right. of locations that just, again, climate change, people don't understand how wide and varied climate change is or that it's always going on. I'm yeah. not knocking man-made climate change. If you don't think that's real, I'm sorry. You need to stay after class. But <laughs> the, we know that there are cities that we have lost. We, the, right. we, the global, we have lost because, you know, the 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 tide comes up. The, the, yeah. the ocean level rises. And we know this because when the ocean level goes down, we find them again. 
Yeah. We're finding stuff in a, in the Antarctic right now. Antarctic. Nope. Nope. The Arctic. We're finding stuff up there that we're only now able to find because, you know, we've, we've warmed the planet up to the point where everything's melting. So, yeah, but that means at some point there was habitation up there, mm-hmm. you know? And so these, you could argue that these are lost, lost groups, lost civilizations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe at the time they were, but I can guarantee you None of them are a complete wipe. Those people migrated. They moved. They were like, man, it's getting cold. And they moved. Yeah. You know, and even if they got caught in a landslide or something, there's still like one or two people that probably made it. Or there's a bunch of people that were like, I'm going to wait until after you go. Mm -hmm. And then the landslide happens and they're like, see, now that's why you wait. (laughs) Um, But that's my point. Obviously, we didn't die because we're having a podcast. And there are people that listen to this podcast who are not us. So obviously we figured something out. Yes. Not to be a total dick, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess just like, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I, I think I get what you're saying. Like you hear it because I think I had read a couple of places where like Plato had heard from his, you know, dad and his grandpa, and blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. like you hear it. But well, even if he did, so it doesn't mean that Atlantis is real. It does not hundred percent. I guess I'm just making. Yeah. I'm I'm making the point that like if you hear that story through someone through someone, and then it slowly morphs into this story of Atlanta Atlantis, and like, and then at some point somebody took it seriously and right, like, exactly, Atlantis exactly. is a real place. <laughs> but it could have been inspired from a very true story that got morphed into yes. something that was taken the wrong way. I guess is my point. Or I, I think what Megan, what you were trying to say, maybe. Yeah, no, and I, I don't, yeah. I don't have a problem with people saying that. I really don't because it yeah. in no way impacts the reality of or the non-reality of Atlantis. Yeah, right. So it what? still doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it, it still doesn't <laughs> yeah. exist. So, so he took. I would be more surprised if he did not take story elements from the time period that he lived in. That mm-hmm, would be yeah. really weird. Yeah. Every writer you know, every book you've ever read, every bad fanfic you've ever skimmed (laughs) has elements of the world that it is written in, the time period it's written in. Again, even Ignatius' stuff, Ignatius Donnelly going all the way back, that's influenced by the time period that he was living in. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why the quote-unquote advanced technology that the Atlanteans had didn't look anything like the advanced technology that we have today because it didn't exist and it wasn't the thought in people's minds at the time. Yeah. Right. You know, I would be more surprised if he wasn't taking elements of the world around him for his thought experiments. Why wouldn't you? Right. But that does not in any way support the reality of Atlantis. Sure. Yes. But at least humor me because yes. I want to talk about Santorini a little bit. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a volcano and it's very cool. And I do think it's cool. You that- hear that, Santorini? You think it's cool <laughs> that you're all buried under there? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but it, it, anyway, I, I mean, I just think it's cool that it seems like there could be parallels between the story that that Plato tells um, that he, you know, makes up about this last continent and what happened at Santorini. So mm-hmm. this is an island that had produced several large caldera forming eruptions in the past. Um, there's one in particular that is sometimes tied to the Atlantis 
myth in terms of being an inspiration, not meaning that it was in Atlantis. But this most recent caldera forming eruption is called the Minoan eruption and occurred around 1600 BCE during the late Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. And we just did our volcanoes episode a couple weeks ago. So we talked about Krakatoa then, but this was four times larger than the 1883 Krakatoa eruption. What a great name for a volcano, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Krakatoa killed 36,000 people, produced 100 foot tall tsunamis and would have had global effects on weather and climate. Mm -hmm. Geologists believe that this Minoan eruption that occurred at Santorini was the single most powerful explosion ever witnessed by humans. Mm -hmm. And here's what gets me is that a caldera forms when so much of this large magma chamber that has formed underneath the surface empties out that the roof of it can't support the weight of all of the rock above. So the mountain or whatever you're talking about collapses in on itself. So like that just sounds like, you know, a a continent like just disappearing beneath the ocean because like essentially that's what happened to this island. Like it was there and then, you know, probably over the course of a couple of days, it was just catastrophically gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there were people living on the island. The name that this Minoan eruption comes from the thriving Minoan civilization that was living on the neighboring island of Crete. Mm-hmm. Although people think because there have been no human remains or valuables found on Santorini that it seems like people evacuated. Although I might also argue that people just got completely obliterated who were left behind. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. But then history also shows that the Minoan civilization began its decline right around this time. And it's very possible that this eruption played into it. Like Mm -hmm. their naval fleet could have been swamped by large tsunamis. You could have had cold or wet summers after, meaning like poor harvest. So I'm just like, I think there are parallels there. I would, like you said, like I would be surprised if Plato wasn't pulling from stories that he'd heard. And this seems like a very likely one to have been an inspiration. But important point, Atlantis is not real. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the other other thing was like, uh, if you want to go back to Santorini, I mean, I I think one of the important things that you, you actually even said, we know where it is. Yeah. We, we know it, it was there. We, we still right. to this day know it was there. Again, there are survivors. I mean, you can't go interview them, but there were survivors who are people who are like, man, that's looking pretty iffy. I'm mm-hmm. thinking maybe I should not be here. Yeah. So like there are people <laughs> that were like that got out. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's actually true that they've never found human remains. That seems a little. I'm not an expert on Santorini, so I don't I don't know, maybe. But that would tell me that they got out. I Unless they were like at ground zero, I guess. I don't know. Even in, I don't want to get that morbid. But my point is, is there's almost always some evidence of human remains left behind. Right. right? Even if it's just something small. But my, yeah. anyway. I mean, my argument was like, if you look at pictures of the island and the deposits from that eruption, like you're talking about like, tens of feet of ash that were deposited so it's like would you really find remains like even like 
graves yeah. that were there from people living there, like they would just be totally buried. But anyway, I don't know. You can bury things pretty deep then, and we're still going to find it if we want to. <laughs> um, but my, my other point was that, that as catastrophic as that eruption would have been, I mean, you were mentioning the Towers of, of Ash. We know that's a major, has a major effect on climate, not just locally, but also at, at a distance. I mean, that's, yeah. you're, you're talking about something that probably affected a massive area. So my point is, is people know. Yeah. I mean, Santorini didn't just like boop, vanish. It was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and at that time period, probably, I mean, again, I don't like to make it sound like our ancestors were like incredibly superstitious and just like ignorant. It, it's it that is something that is so damn impressive mm -hmm. in, in in the wrong kind of way like that i if i were to live through something like that even today mm -hmm. i would probably have a religious moment i'm not a religious person i mean <laughs> right if i was living yeah. on an island and the island next to me just like collapsed yeah even if it happened over like a three-day period that's us yeah. that's a thing yeah, I'm going to notice that. That's going to be yeah. shocking. And even yeah. as a logical person living in the modern era, I would still be like, damn, yeah. that's, it's really hard to believe that there's not gods. Because <laughs> how do you take out a whole island? I mean, think about yeah. it. Now go all the way back to, I mean, these are not stupid people. These are people who have figured out all kinds of cool stuff. Like yeah. our, our ancestors were not backwards folk and not, and that's a bad term anyway. So shame on me. But the point is, is like, even the more logical brained ones are still going to be like, dude, maybe yeah. there's something to this gods thing, because how do you get rid of an entire island? Right. Yeah. You know, that's never, that's not something humans do. Mm -hmm. We do now, but it's not something they did back then. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it We're doesn't just... prove Atlantis in any way, shape or form, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a significant event. I, I would imagine yeah. there's probably a lot of stories that we don't know about that that are based off of Santorini. You yeah. Know? Well, Paige is having flashbacks to the volcano episode right now because we had a lot of discussion about... <laughs> By a lot of discussion, what she means is... I... Me rapid fire talking <laughs> at Paige. I learned about... <laughs> about volcanoes when I had no idea what the flip she was talking about yeah. before we started the episode. But we talked a lot about like big eruptions that have happened in the past and mm. there's like there's Native American folklore about them mm. and just there's a lot of really cool stuff from people that, that witnessed these yeah. and went on to describe them as yeah as like thinking the world was ending and and things like well, that I mean, so the world is ending that's right. what other right. people need to understand like a yeah. 12 foot tsunami takes out your entire fishing village uh sorry what are you doing tomorrow yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not playing poker i'm i mean i <laughs> if i survive i'm probably wondering why yeah you know, right, why did right? the gods not kill me but took out everybody else you know yeah yeah so Anyway, that's that's my only again doesn't prove Atlantis. <laughs> yes, but it's at least my only plug for something that I think could be believable about any sort of like inspiration for the story is that you've had examples of you know places that have been utterly devastated yeah, by yeah, yeah, yeah. natural events and that people would see that happening and could attribute it to like some, I don't know, otherworldly force. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, anyway, I've beat the Santorini dead horse enough. I just. Well, Santorini I, horse is a good one to be because they, they yeah. do. A lot of people come back to Santorini as being actual Atlantis. Like, yeah. That's but a it, very common not. location. It's not. There's no reason yeah. to believe at, that it is. At best, it inspired some of it. Yeah. But and, it's still a thought experiment. Yeah. So, Paige, one, one last thing, which is, turns out. <laughs> turns out. When the, we're going to eat our words a little bit because there is there's not a, a quote unquote lost. Continent. Okay. Okay. But hold on because yes, there is, but also not really. Yes. <laughs> if if so, we know where it is, it's, exactly. it's not lost. So, so there was, or is, I guess, Zealandia, a uh, lost continent, Sort of lost, not really lost. So basically, this is like, this is the eighth continent that we didn't know existed until very recently. <laughs> yeah, it's like pretty cool. Like 2000, it was like really recently, right? Like two, like 2020, yeah. Okay. Was, oh, I thought it was more like 2013. Or I guess maybe it was long ago, but if they, I don't know. There was, there was new stuff about it that came out like just a couple years ago. So it's a landmass that broke off of. Um, Gondwana, which is the southern portion of Pangaea that split off into like South America, Africa, Australia, Antarctica, and now we know Zealandia. And it is made up of continental crust, but it is damn near entirely submerged underwater. It is raised almost one kilometer higher than the oceanic crusts around it. So that's how we know that and it being made of continental crust that it is in fact a lost continent not just yeah but not really lost because like but we found it and we have it yeah so um (laughs) new zealand as we already mentioned is the largest part of zealandia that is above water uh but it's still only like six percent of the total continent so it's like three hundred thousand square kilometers of the total like 4.9 million square kilometers that makes new or makes zealandia okay so zealandia is real i it's not atlantis no, it's not Atlantis, yeah. but like, I don't feel like you guys are trying to argue that there is an Atlantis, no, no, no. so don't take it that way. I just, so I definitely wanted to mention it just because I think it is interesting if we're going to inject some science into this spooky science, <laughs> that like there is actually, you know, a, an eighth continent that we didn't know about. So continental crust tends to be very thick and very buoyant and like basically it's floating around on the mantle. All the tectonic plates are sliding around and grinding against each other and sometimes moving away from each other and sometimes squishing together. But one way to make continental crust thinner and in this case, much, much thinner is to start to pull it apart. And so I think in this case, it's just like an extreme example where it's been like pulled apart so much and gotten so thin that it's mostly submerged and not that much higher than the oceanic crust around it. I'm I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard New Zealand being pegged as uh, Atlantis yeah. uh, because of this, but I I can't. And this I'm is where sure it starts. I'm sure it is somewhere. Well, I mean, if this is something from like ten years ago, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't started to surface yet. Yeah. So okay. So let's see. Let's try to recap. Let's see. Uh, New Zealand is not Atlantis. Yeah. Um, even though I'm sure I'll start hearing that soon. Santorini is not Atlantis, though. It, there, there's a strong argument that it could be the inspiration for the story of Atlantis, mm-hmm. but that does not in any way, shape or form prove Atlantis is real because it's like saying like Tolkien's books uh, that are heavily <laughs> inspired by the real world. Therefore middle earth is real. I mean, I would love to believe that though. 
would you though? Do you really want to go live in Middle Earth? I mean, like something's going to eat you. Something big, nasty, and supernatural. Um, I, I I don't think I would survive Middle Earth unless I was also inside like a very good civil. Anyway, we're going way off topic. I mean, the, it really just boils down to Atlantis isn't real. There's no evidence yeah. for it. I mean, even the guys who are trying to like get a chemical signature of a civilization that might have predated life. Keep in mind, yeah. it's predating life. <laughs> Even they're like, yeah, nah, fam, we can't find anything. Um, it was all a thought experiment to begin with. And, ah, yes, and Atlantis, Atlantis were the bad guys. They were the baddies. They had the skulls mm. on their uniforms. They were the bad guys. There you go. Do you, do you have any other questions about Atlantis? I because don't think Atlantis so. is here's the thing with Atlantis because now I'm going to dominate your show for a minute. Okay. So the problem with Atlantis isn't is Atlantis real or not? That mm-hmm. is no longer the issue. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't actually matter to the argument of at all of mm-hmm. whether or not Atlantis is real because there is a large enough group of people that believe that Atlantis is real, and you're not going to convince them otherwise. And so because of this group of people who who have this belief that this is a true and real thing and they have mm-hmm. built a, a a theology a mythology around Atlantis they know what they're looking for they're looking for this this civilization this city that is got three rings of walls fortifications around it that has this massive irrigation system that has these tall and impressive buildings that look like skyscrapers and of course they're all round you know and and each well in each decade that we progress with this idea that atlantis is real the technology in atlantis changes because it has to keep up with the time you know Mm -hmm. there's flying cars in atlantis right now when we finally do get flying cars what's going to be the next step because the the technology of atlantis is always only an imaginative step beyond what we currently have and so this is why we have this idea of nuclear war between two fake continents you know because like that's Mm -hmm. the most devastating kind of war that we as a society as as a living human society can think of Mm -hmm. like what what kind of war is more terrifying more life ending more eradicating because we've got these people that believe in Atlantis and they believe in this concept of the pure mm-hmm. Aryan Atlantis, you know, mm-hmm. this going back to the idea of this, you know, I, I want to hit the racism button as hard as I can. Yeah. Even reading that article uh, that Dave shared, one of the reasons mm-hmm. why that particular article is so alarming is because that particular, that particular link, I believe the blog itself is arguing for the superiority of the white race. And that's because mm-hmm. that race is directly descent from Atlantis who of course were perfect yeah you know and so this these are the ideas that are braided into very very much part of the idea of atlantis a lot of people see the atlantis television shows and they're like oh atlantis ha 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 isn't that funny you know and they all get a kick out of being like oh atlantis isn't real because plato said it's just a it's just a thought experiment and it's like yeah we can say that as many times as you want but then you've got a group of people who do honestly believe that that's real yeah. they think that that's all just code talk they believe mm-hmm. that there's like a a, a a hidden message in in creatus and timaeus that Plato had. They believe that the I that the mention of Atlantis is made throughout other other uh, dialogues as well. Mm-hmm. They like draw they're they're drawing their lines, mm-hmm. and the lines lead to white people good, everybody else 
sub sub good you yeah. know and and they'll even break down the groups like this group of people is okay group this group of people is eh, okay well, they could be good but they're not and then there's this group of people who are just yeah that is just shh, no yeah. yeah and then i'm not even gonna sit here and try to pick apart everybody's got their ideas but the point is is that like they have a hierarchy of what they consider race yeah and it and it's integral to the Atlantis concepts that are out there. Mm -hmm. If you are just a casual observer, which most people are, most people are just casually observing this Atlantis idea from the outside. And that's why when yeah. you see this article go across the internet, you know, Oh, Atlantis has been found or they, they, they think they found the Atlantis might be in this part of the world. Yeah. That's when we, the majority of us go, Oh, Atlantis, you know, we just <laughs> kind of roll our eyes and then you start seeing everybody on the internet and they're like, Atlantis isn't real. It's a Plato thing. What you're not seeing is the group of people who are the reason why that article went across the internet in the first place, because they are desperate to find Atlantis. They mm -hmm. believe it is real. They believe if they find it, it's like the fatherland. They can get back to their quote unquote roots. It will prove their superiority as a racial group. They think that they can tra trace their genetic data back to it because they believe mm -hmm. in the concept of genes as, as of genetic data as like fact mm -hmm. you know this is this is the problem with the atlantis idea it's it's mm -hmm. not the misconception so that's why when you see people on twitter archaeologists and anthropologists on twitter who get so livid about this mm -hmm. like they just they they're, they're just like foaming at the mouth over this atlantis mm -hmm. thing this is why yeah. Yeah, it, it's not because of this misconception that Atlantis is or is not real. No one cares. It, we really don't care if Atlantis yeah. is real or not. What we care about are these groups of people that are using Atlantis as a dog whistle so yeah. that they can say that, well, I'm white. I yeah. and this isn't a white guilt thing. Like they, they're these people that believe that they are better than everyone else just because yeah. they're pale, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's like, good for yeah. you. I love burning the sun, too. I guess that somehow makes me better than everybody else. I didn't realize third degree sunburn was a good thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that kind of shit, but it gets bad. It gets yeah. bad. It gets dark. You know, there's whole groups of people who are just they rally around this identity. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get the, the ancient alien people who like, I know everybody wants to kind of point and laugh at the ancient alien people, but again, they tie this back to Atlantis. Atlantis is an alien race. Yeah. Uh, Atlant the alien race that came to earth to help humanity. Well, what part of humanity are they helping? Mm -hmm. This is the part that everybody misses in, uh, in ancient aliens. It's like, Ooh, why is it always the like not white people that yeah. need the help? Why is yeah. it always the white people that are the hybrids? Mm -hmm. who who by being an alien hybrid you know that makes you superior and so again the atlantean people were the first hybrid species of alien and humans <laughs> again fair-skinned fair-haired blue-eyed what does that sound like i mean it's not been that long you guys we can still draw this 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 line yeah you know but that's the thing it's it's not the goofy idea that's the problem. It's yeah. the underlying iceberg of it all. Yeah. And, and it's ugly and it's bad and it needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. You can still think the idea is fun. You can still like 
thought experiment your way through Atlantis. It's, and it's meant to yeah. be. I mean, please do. That's why he did this. <laughs> yeah. But his idea was not like, think of yourself as the perfect white race. <laughs> now go forth and smite everyone who doesn't look anything like you. That wasn't the thought experiment. Yeah. But that's what but also, like, importantly, the whole point was that they were the bad guys originally. They were the bad guys. That part <laughs> like, always gee, me. Maybe <laughs> don't go around stomping all over everyone because, yeah. like, you think you're so great. <laughs> the real lesson here is don't be an asshole or the gods will smite you. It's always the rule. That's always the lesson. No one ever listens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because yeah it is super important well thank you for letting me have a tirade on the moment because i know it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about no no it's it's an important thing to talk about and it's it was important to mention for this episode because yeah like you're right like it's fun to speculate and be silly about it but yeah we got to remember that (laughs) there's a a darkness to the end of it very serious yeah things or implications that that Mm -hmm. go along with people perpetuating these ideas okay anything else I'm going to wrap us up. Great. Sarah's brief reminder of where people can find you before we wrap up. Places I'm most active online are social media wise is Instagram and Twitter. Both of them are Archie Fantasies, A-R-C-H-Y Fantasies, all one word. You might see me on YouTube. I'm trying to build up the YouTube channel, which is also Archie Fantasies. Um, I've switched my blog over to the Patreon, which is it, to read the blog parts and stuff, it's free. It's You don't have to be a member to read my stuff. The things I would like to hype, though, are the Digging to the Other Side podcast, which, mm-hmm. again, I launched in February. Uh, so please go give that a, a listen. They're on uh, Anchor. The Archie Fantasies podcast, which updates about once a month right now. It's on Anchor as well. And I do do the Paranormal Archaeology podcast, which I it goes up every couple months. That that's pretty much it. If you if you want to find me, just type in Archie Fantasies, and it pretty much brings up everything that I'm on. Great. Alrighty, that wraps up this episode on the lost, the quote unquote lost city of Atlantis. Still not real. <laughs> the the not city of Atlantis. <laughs> Big thanks again, Sarah. We always have a great time. Everybody else, tune in next episode for our fourth spooky true crime episode. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. You can find us on TikTok at Spooky Science, Twitter and Instagram at Spooky SciPod. Facebook at Spooky Science Sisters, and at our website, SpookyScienceSisters.com. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at SpookyScienceSisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? Or just a horrible accident. That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? 
But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.